Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. In this second installment of our three-episode journey into the Jurassic Park franchise, we're debriefing the sixth and ostensibly final entry into the Jurassic saga, Jurassic World Dominion. I want you guys to take your minds backward in time all the way to 2015. Bethany's on the show. Can you do that? Go back to 2015? Yeah. That's seven years ago. Can you, but can you do it? I mean, I don't know. That's tell me what was happening math. in 2015. I'll tell you in a second, but do you think that you could possibly do that? I can do anything I want to. Wow. Okay. So I got it. Reading Rainbow over here. <laughs> Abby, can you take your mind backward to 2015 if you tried? Yep. Oh, I like that confidence. Patrick, 2015, how do you feel about that? I think if I had a point to focus on, I could do it. All right, let me give you one. Okay. It was the summer of 2015, and it had been... 14 years since Jurassic Park 3 had played in theaters and disappointed movie-going audiences around the world with its horrible wretchedness. A lot of time had passed between, uh, geez, that year (laughs) of Jurassic Park 3, also a summer movie like all Jurassic Park movies, and 2015. And during that time, the world kind of uh, pushed the Jurassic Park sequels into the closet. We said, you know what? The Lost World's not that great. Jurassic Park 3 is absolutely terrible. Forget those. Let's just focus on Jurassic Park. And then Jurassic Park, one of the most beloved movies of all time, just eclipsed the bad sequels. And everyone in popular culture was just high-fiving, ah, yeah, Jurassic Park. You still go to Target today? There's Jurassic Park T-shirts hanging up on the mm-hmm. uh, in the kids' racks and toys and mugs at your local bookstore and stuff, as if 1993 was just yesterday. You won't find crap for the Lost World. You won't find crap for Jurassic Park three because those suck and nobody cares about those. And we just decided collectively to forget them. Now, 14 years has gone by, and all of a sudden, there's going to be a new Jurassic Park movie, and we all just acted together as an audience, as a movie-going public as if those two bad sequels never happened and this was effectively a sequel to Jurassic Park. Subconsciously, that's kind of what we did. And the, the movie was telling us to do that. It was tapping into our nostalgia. The trailer had the theme in it. There was little glimpses of all this stuff. And it's back to a park. It's no longer you know, finding excuses to keep carrying on the same story. It's back to the park. The park is open. And everyone went and saw this movie. We did. You remember? We We all went and saw Jurassic World together in 2015. And we walked out of that movie theater high-fiving. Oh, my God. Can you believe what they did? Against all odds, two bad sequels, 14 years later, they came back and made a truly fantastic Jurassic Park movie. Yeah. So satisfying. Remember that? I do. Yeah. What was it like, Patrick? Tell us about your experience seeing Jurassic World. Jurassic World? Yeah. 2015. Just like you said... We all came out very excited. Um, I went and saw it again the next week. That's what I remember. That's a that's a two viewer. That's a two viewer. I just remember the like the the um, it was doing the you know the legacy sequels you know as they say it did it well because it like tapped into the uh, nostalgia and the old one but not too much so and. We even like overlooked all the uh, what were the silly parts of Jurassic World you know. Like, how was the sense of those little balls they're riding in? That's not Loved safe. Them. Loved them. The gyrosphere? Yeah, that's not safe. That's fun. Oh, I know. It was you great. You could be with the dinosaurs. You could be yeah. with them. Loved that's it. nice. Riding around in hips. Well, and that, those that's T-Rex have to have something to chomp down on. What was, it, what was it like for you going to see Jurassic World? Is that the one where the big uh, whale dinosaur... You're, you're trying to describe a Mosasaurus. Yep. Which isn't actually a dinosaur. It's a... An aquatic reptile, but yes. It ate the, the something up. The shark that was hanging from yeah. the hook. Yes. Yeah, I loved it. Also, I love Bryce Dallas Howard in it. Chris Pratt, 10 out of 10. I loved the whole movie. I thought it was great. I don't, I don't have the same remembering of the original Jurassic Park because I was probably not, I was probably pretty sheltered, you know, at the time. Really? But Couldn't seeing, even go see Jurassic Park? Just a uh, PG-13? I think my parents probably movie? like a scary, I mean, I was so young. 1993. Were you? Yeah, I was. Teensy-weensy. So. Yeah, you probably were. Anyway. What, like seven years old? Six years old? Uh, no. 
I was eight years old. Thirteen? Eight. Oh, okay. Just gotcha. eight. Ten. But anyway, I was dazzled by it. I loved it. I had such a good time seeing that movie. Do you feel a special kinship with uh, people that, with redheaded women? Like you're like, I do. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, sp- certain... Yep, some of them, certain kinds of them, but Bryce Dallas Howard for sure. What do you mean certain kinds of them? I don't want to answer that. <laughs> this is a controversial answer. I don't want to answer that. Anyway, I just, sure. I do, I definitely felt that with her. And it's nice to see, I, I thought about that when we saw the saw Dominion the other night where I was like, it's just nice to see someone who looks like me. <laughs> you know? And you also feel a special affection for Chris Pratt. I always do. Yeah. He's a Christian guy. He's a nice guy. <laughs> That's what you like about him? I don't know. Yeah, I do like that about him. I think he's funny. He's handsome. He's handsome. He is funny. And handsome. He's funny. And he dates the redhead. So it's like, that's nice. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. mean his fictional counterpart yeah. dates the redhead? I do mean that. Yeah. Abby, you remember seeing Jurassic World? Yep. What was it like for you? I thought it was pretty fun and exciting. I remember eating too much popcorn and my tummy hurting. <laughs> That's what you remember about it, wow. I do. And I really liked the Indominus Rex. Wow, okay, wow. Which one was that? That's the uh, antagonist dinosaur in Jurassic World. The the first genetic hybrid. Mm, mm -hmm. Like, oh, we made this crazy thing. Oh, it's out. Okay. See, the thing about Jurassic World uh, that is, I think, so effective, maybe the thing that is most effective about it, and that is missing from maybe all of the Jurassic Park sequels. We'll get that to that in a second. Is that in the first Jurassic Park movie, the thing that really propels things into motion before everything goes crazy and the dinosaurs all get out is like a sense of wonder, you know? Mm-hmm. They get to the park and you don't know exactly what's happening. You've seen the trailer or something like that when you're, you know, a kid in 1993. Uh, or maybe you understand that at some point it's going to turn into a people running from dinosaurs movie. But when they first get there, there's a sense of awe and wonder and there's this beautiful John Williams music that plays over these big reveals of these incredible mm-hmm. dinosaurs. You're like, wow, these aren't monsters at all. They're animals and they're majestic and wonderful. And oh, wow, what would it be like? That's what you start to ask yourself. Not, oh, I'd be so scared if I ran from a velociraptor, yeah. but what would it be like to stand in the presence of a real life dinosaur? And Steven Spielberg is Steven Spielberg, so he does it in a way that's all you know, a childlike wonder. And then, after they've spent a lot of time with uh, immersing you in this world from the safety, uh, or from a safe space where you can admire the animals from a distance and be caught up in the wonder of it all, then you start asking questions to characters in the movie. are like, mm, should we be doing this? This seems kind of strange. And, you know, you know where it's going. By the time you're an hour into the movie, things go wrong, and the the... Dangerous dinosaurs that they've been teasing all along finally do stuff, and you're oh god, you know, it turns into Jaws or it turns into Alien. Uh, and then when you get to the Lost World, Jurassic Park three, they're like, eh, they, no one's going to be impressed by a dinosaur anymore. Let's just get these people into harm's way. So they rush you into some kind of incident, and oh, there's the same dinosaurs from the last movie, and they're mad and they're going to eat people, and you don't really care about these characters anymore because we haven't spent any time developing them. Let's just get them in front of some dinosaurs and get them running. But when you get finally back to Jurassic World, the wonder has been imbued back into the franchise, and not only that, not just oh, what would it be like to see a Brachiosaurus, but oh my God, this is a real park, and it feels like this is a place you. Can, it looks like a real amusement right, park. Right, it's functional. Yep, we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, people are there. Yeah, I remember Abby saying on the podcast we did in 2015 that one of the most satisfying things to her was just the idea of a the real amusement park and being in it. Mm-hmm. In Jurassic Park, you know, it's uh, it, it's not open. It's not fully functional. They don't even have the music done for the Mr. DNA cartoon, Hammond says. The score is only temporary. Mm-hmm. So you get to see all that. The wonder is back. And then it starts to go into some familiar places once again, but not before it's teased out. Oh, what is this thing? You haven't seen right. it all the way. You and see it behind before, the trees. Like in the original movie, they introduce us to characters and take time to develop them where we like them (laughs) right I think part of it is the time they spend developing the character specifically 
Owen Grady and Claire Deering, the Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. But they also just have really good chemistry mm-hmm. yeah. in the movie, which helps uh, a lot. Uh, and they're both, <laughs> this sounds so shallow, but in the, in the movie like The Lost World, the cast is really crowded and they're all like, you know, people in their 40s, mercenaries and rugged types, and you can't really tell one from the other. And they're they throwaway. Kind of, they're throwaway characters. They're there to get eaten or to get stomped on or something like that. But then you have these, uh, you know, these two young actors with the chemistry and the good dynamic between each other, and we get good scenes of yeah. them kind of flirty arguing outside of his little jungle hut. And even the side characters are so good. They they're there and they do their job. Like the the new park owner, what was his name? Masrani. Yeah, Masrani. Masrani. And then the the guy, the two tech people in there doing the computers and stuff. And the bad guy, uh, mm-hmm. Kingpin. Yeah, the uh, guy from Daredevil's the bad guy. All yeah, these characters him. just had great like moments, little arcs, and so you just you know them, you know. So yeah, they're all the characters are really likable. Uh, they're interesting, and it doesn't take much time for you to. I mean, it, it's very Spielberg esque in that they're archetypes. Here's the funny one. Here's the bad guy, but in a way that feels familiar and comfortable, so that you're not like, oh, I can't keep up with these people. They they fit into archetypes, and it's nice. And then they tease out the bad dinosaur and a few of things that you know are going to happen finally happen, and um, arguably one of the most impressive things that. Colin Trevorrow, the director, did with Jurassic World was keeping the audience uh, asking throughout the whole movie, is the T-Rex not going to be in this? People go to a Jurassic World movie or Jurassic Park movie and they think, you know, at some point a T-Rex, the raptors are going to be in it, but a T-Rex has to come out. That's the hero. She's the hero of the movie. Yeah, they even teased it to us one time and the people, the audience in the movie didn't care. Yes. Which is such a great little scene. She's kind of obscured by people, the kids on a cell phone. Yeah, it's a very meta, self-commentating kind of thing. And then in the last few minutes of the movie, the T-Rex has to come out and save the day in a hooray kind of, you know, everyone stands and cheers, and it's extremely satisfying. The The music is beautiful. It felt like, wow, I can't believe they pulled it off. They did it again. Hmm. There's another one. In fact, it felt to me like there's now a sequel to Jurassic Park. You can watch these other movies if you really want to, but it's really kind of like Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But we knew they were going to make more because it made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't know if you remember this, but it became the third highest grossing film of all time for a while. Of all time. That's can the summer imagine? Bethany won the box office. Bethany yep. bet big on Jurassic World and won the game. Yep. This girl knows how to play. And then next came Fallen Kingdom. Do you remember seeing Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Yeah, I do, because it was the training of blue, right? But well, that's in the first one and the second one. Uh, Fallen Kingdom is the one where they go back to the island because the volcano is yes. exploding. And then they try to sell these things on the yep. black market or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, they bring them back to auction them in the basement yes. of a mansion. <laughs> it was yep. so sad when the island was blown. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't. I think I was very entertained. Not as much as the first one. Sounds like you don't have a lot of really strong memories of it. No, but it's only because I have Dominion in my head right now. That's fair. It's too hard. Patrick, what did you think about Fallen Kingdom? I thought Fallen Kingdom was similar to uh, Lost World in a sense that it took steps down from the first one in in the trilogy it's in. But what it did better than Lost World is it's it was a good sequel where you're not just going back to the same place and running from dinosaurs. They they answered the question, oh, we see them in captivity, but now what if they weren't in captivity? Yeah. And that's what it does. That's kind of what the audience wants. I think not like as effectively as it could have or you know, not as effective as the first one, but it still moved in a good direction. And I think we said it on the podcast, that guy directed the heck out of that movie and some of those scenes were just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think, Burst? You've seen Fallen Kingdom a few times now. Yeah, I've seen it a lot. I like it a lot. I like that it's a little bit darker. The concepts and the story is a little bit uh, darker and heavier and less like, yay, we're going to a theme park. Wonder and awe. Um, but I like it a lot. I have no large qualms with it whatsoever. Yeah, and you know what's crazy? They have Owen and Claire back, which you're like, oh, they're just going to like shoehorn these characters in. But it made sense. 
the story I thought made sense for them to be Yeah, they came up with a reasonable excuse to have them Mm -hmm. come back together uh, and go to the island. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first time I saw Fallen Kingdom, I was disappointed. I thought it was kind of scatterbrained and kooky. Uh, And the first, you know, hour is basically the Lost World again. And then it takes a really surprising turn and gets really weird. And I liked that about it. But the more I watch it, the more I like Fallen Kingdom. I think it's kind of like the Temple of Doom of the franchise. It's not like any of the other ones. It's like a haunted house movie with a scary black uh, mutant dinosaur chasing around little kids Mm -hmm. or a little kid. Uh, Very strange. To see frames of like the last hour of uh, Fallen Kingdom, you'd be like, what? That's a, if you didn't know, but this is a Jurassic World movie. That's so bizarre. It stalks a little girl in a bed. A, a little so clone. Mm-hmm. A little clone. That's yes. right. Don't forget that little tidbit. But it was divisive. People didn't like it. Really bad reviews, and fans love to make fun of it and say it's a piece of crap. But not as much as they like to hate Jurassic World Dominion. Now, this is an interesting thing. Before everyone gives their tweetable review and you know Rotten Fresh rating, um, I'd like to point out that on Rotten Tomatoes, which... Let's explain this one more time for our listeners because people still don't understand how it works. Rotten Tomatoes gives you an average or a percentage, rather, of positive reviews. So if the movie is 50%, that means 50% of critics gave it a good review and that it is thus rotten according to their standards. Below 60, I think, is rotten. If it's 80%, that doesn't mean that it's 80% good movie. It means 80% of critics gave it a bad review 20%, 20%, I mean, I gave it a good review. 20% gave it a bad review. It just gives you a percentage of good reviews. It's not a grade. Right. Now, that being said, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score for Jurassic World Dominion is the lowest in the entire franchise, which means that it has worse reviews on the whole than Jurassic Park 3, mm. than The Lost World, than Fallen Kingdom. I think, personally, regardless of what you think about Dominion, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. You'd have to be just a grade-A moron to say that that movie's worse than Jurassic Park 3. Uh, yeah, I agree. Is it just because <laughs> it wasn't as popular to leave reviews back then? It's still based on an average. I mean, like a percentage, so... Yeah, but if there's three and two of them are bad... I guess that's true. We'd have to go and look at the numbers, but people love to run that headline. Yeah, lowest score in the franchise. Patrick, what's your short review and uh, rotten fresh matrix on Jurassic World Dominion? Um, I think it follows the cue of the first trilogy. They get lower as they go, <laughs> and this one was uh, this one was borderline bad to me. It had some cool action scenes, and I liked. I still like Owen and Claire, <laughs> but the story. I just did not understand what we were doing with that story. The whole thing was the dinosaurs are out. Let's resolve this. And then at the end of the movie, the dinosaurs are out and nothing's <laughs> been resolved except like they killed the bugs that they, they started in the movie. Right. I don't understand why we did any of that in a movie form. And so it sounds like that's a rotten review from you. Yeah, I would say it's a rotten review. Bethany, what's your uh, review and score? Yeah. Big disappointment, and I would say same thing. Storyline bad, like no. It it was like we weren't tracking with anything that made actual sense. Period. I'm like trying to think of what else to say. So I felt really disappointed by the storyline. I was confused and bored at some <gasps> point. Gasp! So, that's not what you want to hear. That's bad. I love Owen and Claire still, but even. I felt like if they had a better story, it could have been more inspiring. They could have been way more exciting to watch. It felt a little gummy. Like, that's the way I would say it. Like a gummy? Gummy. Like, you know when people are like... <laughs> like <laughs> it's kind of like, you don't have any teeth, but you're gumming something to death. <laughs> it felt like we were gumming this to death. Like... We didn't have any chompers to really get into it. What in the world is this analogy? I think somebody's going to really track with me. I I like that it's so real to you. I'm just saying it felt gummy. 
I was just like gumming this to death and thinking like, I'm, I don't even know if I can taste this anymore, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay. So it's rotten. Birds, did you think that Jurassic World Dominion was really gummy? I do appreciate that analogy. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> what did I think? It's a good question. I thought it was all right. I think that there was enough dinosaurs and interesting parts to outweigh the parts that I thought were cheesy or confusing. I think that I don't go into a movie like this expecting it to make a whole lot of sense because most of them don't. And well, yeah, I guess at this point, a lot of them are not as thoughtful. As two of a, them. It's not a great game of averages. <laughs> two yeah, of them are pretty uh, clever and cohesive. Yeah. There's just... It, to me, it seemed like uh, they cared more about putting all of the same characters together than they did about a story that made a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that's a great way yep. to put it. Um, that's exactly it, what I said, I And think. it was fun to see the characters, so I don't know. But I didn't hate that the dinosaurs were out at the end. It was kind of like, yeah, this place bought all the dinosaurs and then it made a bad choice and blew up. Now they're all out again. I have mixed feelings about that. I thought the same thing that Patrick was saying in that not only does it end in the same place it began in some sense, at least on like the big scope, you know, I guess the villains of the movie are dealt with. But yeah, it kind of leaves the world in the same place it found it. Um, Other than that terrible final line, you know, from that, scientist who by the way so apparently this clone girl uh grows up and turns into a different lady yeah they didn't want to like make a cg adult or something yeah those, hey, that cg on those dinosaurs looked incredible i'm i'm sure they could i thought they uh, were incredible i did say that i think yeah they could have made her look like a grown-up yeah so she grows up turns into a different lady and then she reads this monologue over the final uh montage of the movie and says coexist Mm-hmm. And it shows how do those dinosaurs get all the way over there too? It sh- it ends exactly the way it began with a montage of dinosaurs, like a sizzle reel of CG dinosaurs in the real world, which is exactly how Fallen Kingdom ended. Yeah, but with a montage was, of dinosaurs. Yeah, but there was the there's an acceptance now. Sort of because it does they show said, like the mosasaurus kind of swimming around some whales, like it's not eating them. Oh, it's definitely eating those whales. I was like, well, it must not be hungry because it's a it's a predator, so that's what it does. And it shows this like uh, ceratopsian dinosaur kind of silhouetted on the Serengeti mm-hmm. with some elephants. How did it get that's there? the last shot in the movie. How did it get there? <laughs> Why did they want to make that the last shot in the movie? Now, let me if if you don't remember this, let me just remind you. The ending of uh, Jurassic World is triumphant. They survive. The heroes, you know, they make it out with their lives. And Claire and Owen come together in this gorgeous, like, kind of mm-hmm. sunrise shot. And she says, what do we do now? And he says, probably stick together for survival, which is really clever. And they kind of embrace and walk into the actual sunrise. And then the camera cranes up the wrecked park as you know, the beautiful score booms out, and the T Rex comes up over the hill and roars over the park because now you they've know, taken over. Yeah. They've taken over, and then it cuts to the credits. That was like, mm, perfect. Mm-hmm. This movie ends with a shadow of a Nasutoceratops walking with some elephants. That's the last thing you see. You didn't want to give us some kind of big money shot to go out How on? did it get there? <laughs> they were so sleepy, these people creating this. Did they get on a boat? Just lazy. Just they finish. said in Fallen Kingdom that they were shipping dinosaurs all over the world. and Did they all get out of all the facilities around the world all at once? No, it kind of shows... Uh, it's, it's, Maybe it's over time or something. I think that they did too little... To make that connection, because in the montage at the end of Fallen Kingdom, it does show them putting some of the sold animals on airplanes and like chaining yes. them up, and it does show some of those uh, villainous auctioneers with DNA samples like getting into their 
cars and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that they intended us to just make the connection. Fine, they're going to be everywhere. But then at the beginning of Dominion, it just shows a map with lines on it. And it says, so they're everywhere now. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Judge Rush House is fine. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. But the dinosaurs were amazing looking. To they that, were. To your point. I was like, the first opening scene, I was like, these look insane. Like it just, I was dazzled. I distinctly remember feeling like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And Dominion has more animatronic dinosaurs than any of the other movies. Isn't oh, that interesting? That's yeah. a good fact. I do feel like um, a good fact. that one scene where Blue's falling down the ravine looked like a bad 1990s video I game. I did too. I don't know mm-hmm. why that wasn't working. Do you think it's because of snow or something? Was it, it felt glitchy or something? It didn't yeah. look right. Yeah, it, it, it was looked weird. really bad. It was the only one in the whole movie when yeah they trapped Beta and Blue gets hit by a car and knocked into this snowy ditch and she's jumping up and snapping. And I was like, hmm, that doesn't quite yeah, look right. That. What's going on with that? Maybe it was hard to do. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure it it's all hard to do. <laughs> Let's cut him some slack. The yeah. I think that Abby's right in that the movie is obviously concerned with getting the all-star cast back together. And unfortunately, that kind of sidelines Owen and Claire in a way that they're in the movie, but they don't have much to do other than run and get from point A to point B. And Chris Pratt, who has arguably the most charisma of all the characters, or Owen, I shouldn't say it's just Chris Pratt, but Owen, um, he doesn't get to be his kind of wisecracky, confident, snarky self. He just raises his eyebrows and because he, runs. Because they kind of morph those those characters into mom and dad. And that was a little, like, difficult. Because then you only saw those two other comeback people as, like, the adventure people. You know, what's her name? Ellie. Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant. Yeah. yeah you saw, totally they were, makes... like, leading the adventure zone. And then, you know, Chris and Dallas were, like, Rice, Dallas, whatever, <laughs> were, like, mommy and daddy. And so it it just yeah they didn't have the other two movies gave them clear arcs they went somewhere and the story was showing like they used the drama of the story to get them somewhere this one they were just as she said to run (laughs) like they were more concerned with like doing the homages to the old ones than like making sure that these characters are like doing something important they were just emotionally responsive the whole time Yeah. yeah and I you know it is. If you like these movies, you can't help but at least feel a little something when you're like, oh, neat. It's like Sam Neill and Laura Dern are on the screen together again as Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant. That's pretty fun to see. And Well, especially when all three of them there were there yeah, for a second. That was neat. Yeah, the, and he's the exception to the rule. That's where I was going is that uh, Alan Grant, Sam Neill, seems like he just steps right back into it. He sounds like him. He looks like him, obviously. And, and Laura Dern was fine, too. But Alan Grant was kind of just like mm-hmm. grumpy and sad. Yeah. I was like, this like, makes oh, no lonely. sense that you would be on this adventure. <laughs> why are question. you doing this? Why did he became Ellie, a grandpa. Why did Ellie Sattler think that the best person to steal a DNA sample was an old paleontologist? She, in the movie, she says, yep. people trust you. So she's like kind of relying on his integrity if they come forward with the information. But I don't know why. They already had two people on the inside. Why didn't those two people? Well, because then Alan Grant wouldn't be. I, I mean, I know that's why, but that makes no sense. It was tough. It who, seems like who honestly, did you say was good. You said Alan Grant and Alan Grant. Did I? I don't know what my sentence was. Um, were you talking about? Well, I was going to say that they're both the good. Jeff Goldblum as yeah, Ian okay. Malcolm is flawless. He yeah. perfect. Man, he embodies he, the character perfectly and is hilarious. Yes, he's funny. The Malta scene and Jeff Goldblum are what made the movie feel like that was worth sitting in. (laughs) Jeff Goldblum, every scene that he's in, when he's doing the serious, you know, doomsday profiteering, it feels really believable and sincere. And when he's being his sarcastic, Mm -hmm. funny self, it was really, really funny. And he got several um, big laughs from me in the movie. And some of them that... If it was anyone else, it re- wouldn't really work. But because it was him, you know, there's a scene where the mutant locusts are <laughs> raining down like fire on the Jeep that they're in, and mm-hmm. one hits the windshield, and he says, well, that's bananas. <laughs> 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 and it was really funny because it was him. Yeah. Now, another thing the Internet really hates about this movie is the locusts. Mm-hmm. They, people are going crazy over that. 
I gotta be honest, I didn't dislike that. I thought it was interesting. It seemed like a real Michael Crichton-y kind of idea. I I don't disagree with that, but here's the thing. When I'm watching this movie, the movie sets it up like, here's the problem. Dinosaurs are everywhere. 30-something people have died in four years, I guess. So it's like a tragedy we have to do something about. I mean, that doesn't seem like a big number. It seems like they're doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah all things considered. Yeah, the I mean, the, car the, wrecks are way worse. I bet dogs are killing more people than that. Yeah, yeah, the flying ones are up on a skyscraper. That's bad for them, I guess. But it's, we have to fix the problem with the dinosaurs. Anyway, the rest of the movie is about locusts, and it happens to be the locusts are at a place where the dinosaurs live. It just felt it just felt so strange. It no? was very M Night Shyamalan-y. It just felt like we Shyamalan-y. went in such a different direction of like we want to see. The characters, like with Hart, dealing with the repercussions mm-hmm. of like the decisions to have the dinosaurs, but that's not really what we had in this. I thing. don't disagree with that. I just I think that yes, I, it is. A, it did feel like the movie dedicated a lot of its runtime to the locusts idea, and even more weird for the first time in his very storied career, Doctor Henry Wu is deeply conflicted by the locusts because they're going to kill off humanity. Apparently. But he didn't. He didn't care about all these dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was pretty proud of them. Uh, and he was in Fallen Kingdom, a straight up like Bond villain. But now he's like, oh man, I feel so bad. I but he's old. Did they need a uh, got perspective? Yeah. I feel so bad about these. I think things. they needed a um, like big dilemma. Like there was not really a big dilemma with the dinosaurs. But they're all out. They're all out, but they needed something, a corruption. There's always corruption in the movies. And they needed, this was like a way that there was like corruption. This like company was trying to bioengineer. Yes. You yeah, have to have a bad company, right? Science yeah. and capitalism and, mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of thing in a dress. But it seems like they could have come up with something. I think that the locusts were actually fine as a way to get us into Biosyn as, as an evil company. It seems like that's all it was. Well, but then they actually the plot hinges a lot on the locusts, uh, and you know the the villain of these last three movies, or at least kind of one of the villains, Henry Wu. Like his whole arc gets resolved with the locusts. Like he wants to get Maisie's DNA so that he can fix the locust problem. He doesn't even care about the dinosaurs or anything to do with them. I think that if, you know, you got that one scene when they first come out was pretty cool and scary. When those kids are on the farm mm-hmm. and the one crawls mm-hmm. up on a fence post and you're like, what the? And then they all flop, they swarm or whatever. Yeah. If it was kind of just that to get us into the corruption of biosyn. Yeah. And it just makes a lot of sense that a bioengineering company, biogenetics or whatever, would have these other schemes that they're messing with. And that that could be a reason that our characters are going there, and that's where the dinosaurs also are. That in, is what happened, right? No, because Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler's entire motivation in the movie is to get to a locust and get its DNA sample. And then the fire, the burning locust, is what gets the dinosaurs loose. It just, it just kind of involves them a lot. And then you know it ends with Henry Wu putting a cute little vest on one of the locusts so he yeah. can set it free. I thought they were cool. The, the fact pathogen. they were running from dinosaurs in the last third to two-thirds of the movie was just circumstance that there happened to be some there. Mm-hmm. Because they went there looking for locusts. Yeah, because yeah. they went there looking for locusts. Well, and Claire and Owen went there looking for Maisie. And people have really been out of shape about the clone thing, but that doesn't bother me either, that there was a cloned person. It's not it's like just, she was a half dinosaur person or something. Yeah, but it was so lame. Remember how, how they kept because they, mm-hmm. they kept. This is what made it lame is when she put her hand up to stop the baby raptor. Yeah, and they had to triangulate because they all of a sudden they figure out or they decide that the the hand trick became the meme from the first Jurassic World movie, which was a great scene in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Has but it makes a, a lot trip. of sense because he's dedicated years of his life to training these raptors. A stranger just can't stick their hand out at a raptor and say, eyes on me, and it's going to be like, oh, right, yeah. 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 I agree with that. And then they like, oh, we want to see Dr. Grant put his hand out at a raptor. I'm like, I don't think he'd be like, I don't know how to train raptors. He right. just said, 
you're the guy who trains raptors. <laughs> and Owen is the only person in that scene who doesn't put his hand out. He's just yeah. holding a tranquilizer gun. He's holding a gun. He's and like, he's like put oh. your hand out. He says, I've got to hit her in the neck, so do this thing. I was like, she's standing still right in front of you. Yeah. Shoot her in the neck. It had those moments. Shoot those, her. Like, what are you going to do? But let's talk about a few of the things in the movie that work. Okay. Hmm. Bethy's making a face like there's none. Come I want to say this real quick. The dancers? Uh, Peter Nikiforov went with us, and he had to keep leaving because he was burping fish burps. <laughs> he said fish burps? That's fish, so revolting. It was fish burps, right? <laughs> yep. He said he had fish for dinner. And he, he, had, to, he had to keep excusing himself because his burp smelled so bad he didn't want to offend us. Oh, my gosh. Does burp in your shirt or something? <laughs> he was like running that. out like he was running on fire, out, too. In and out of the, at least five or six times. What? Yep. What a psycho. What is, and also a gentleman. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Right, that was a good time. Awesome. That was our theater experience. He claims to be vegetarian. Okay. Yeah, we just outed him on the internet. He's total, absolute poser. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe he did say fish, right? He said fish. Okay. Well. He said I ate a lot of fish tonight. Wow. Maybe he maybe hadn't had it in a while. Mm. <laughs> that was his Maybe he's no longer a vegetarian. For being a poser. Maybe that's why he was burping it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so here's some stuff that worked in the movie. <laughs> Um, the entire Malta sequence to me from the beginning to the end was uh, thrilling. When they first stumble upon this dinosaur black market and there's this scene that's kind of like the uh, Moss Eisley Cantina in Star Wars. Yes, mm-hmm. it was so much like <laughs> Yeah, it was. And uh, there's you get all these, there's like a, a you know, just a, choppy edits of these little things that you only get to see for a second. You're like, oh, man, I want to see more of that. Dinosaurs in chains. Dinosaurs doing, like, uh, cockfights with gamblers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in cages and weird seedy-looking characters with, like, dimorphodons on their shoulders and crap like that. You're like, man, this is amazing. I want to know about everything that's going on. I thought maybe we were going to spend a significant part of the movie there. It was Uh, a pretty good chunk. it It was good and it was satisfying, but... The rest of the movie couldn't live up to what happened There's in no Malta. way because we saw that's what the movie should have been. Them dealing with the dinosaurs out and about in that way. Some kind of corruption. Yeah, the dinosaur dinosaurs. black market is a more interesting premise than genetically modified right, locusts. because Jurassic World teased us with the idea of military trained raptors and stuff. And then we and see Fallen it. Kingdom. Yeah, and Fallen, and Fallen Kingdom. Kingdom. We mm-hmm. see them do it and it's terrifying. And you're like, that's... And he's riding on the motorcycle again and it's great. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, bye. Get on the plane and fly away. <laughs> That's from the cool part. The whole chase yeah. in the Jeep and on the motorcycle with the Atrociraptors, they're called, mm-hmm. uh, was not only like amazing, thrilling, I think one of the coolest action sequences in the whole franchise, but it was really impressive. I've seen the movie more than once now, and the editing of it for a, movie, for a scene that moves that fast is really impressive because it's never like, whoa, what the heck? I can't see... What's going on? It's like staged in such a way where every time there's a big buildup, even something simple but real action-y, like Claire takes a stick and holds it up so that it can be caught between two things in an alley and the raptor will hit it and get clotheslined. Mm -hmm. It happens in like three really fast shots and it's really loud. Click, click, click. And then it flips over and you're like, whoa. And then like one's jumping out over and he's jumping his motorcycle and they end up on a plane it jumps into the plane. He mm-hmm. has to use, and then the the motorcycle gets slammed into the front of the plane, then backwards and knocks the thing back out again, and then it's over. It feels like a I don't know how long it is. It feels like it's a fifteen minute sequence, and the whole thing is mm-hmm. like woo. Yeah, it's super cool, and it's effective too because it makes no sense that these guys could outrun those raptors. They no. should have been dead like within seconds. Yeah, definitely. But you you're lost in it because it's so fun. Well, they get on bikes and I mean, yeah, she throws stuff at them for sure. I certainly a motorcycle and a Jeep can outrun a raptor. I also don't understand. My bigger qualm is how a laser makes these guys. It's like they have, like, it wasn't just that, like, they saw the laser on her and chased her. She was, like, in a different room, then went in a different building, and they still knew where she was. Well, because once, it's like getting a scent or something. Once they've... Once they've identified a target, they just pursue it. Hmm. That's not that unrealistic. Yeah, they, they train they animals like to do things stuff. like that. Yeah. That's a bigger qualm. <laughs> no, there you go. That thing was, I don't have any, that whole bit 
was great. And my favorite part of the whole thing is that when they're still in the black market dungeon, the the stupid villain with the tattoo on his face, mm-hmm. do you remember him? Yeah. He shoots open a couple of gates and like a an Allosaurus and a Carnotaurus, the two big ones come out. And Chris Pratt's like, oh, crap, but they get distracted. And then later on in the high-octane chase sequence, they move out into this courtyard, and the big dinosaurs come lumbering out like they've got gotten out of the basement. And one of them just eats a guy on a Segway. Yeah. He's like, wow. Yeah. As they're zipping by. The dinosaur uh, murder rate in this scene was more than the world has experienced in the past four <laughs> years, for sure. <laughs> That's true. It was good. That whole thing was great. That idea of a dinosaur black market overseas, really interesting. Mm-hmm. That worked. That could have been a plot line. Yes. Yeah, like a yeah. real one. It's, it was so effective, too, because then when it went back to like the Grant and Ellie thing, you're kind of like, oh, man. <laughs> but you're not supposed to feel like that. You're supposed to be happy. No, because the, by then they get to Bison and Malcolm's there, and you're like, oh, good, let's hear him talk some more. Wasn't there yeah. a baby Carnotaurus, too, or did I make that up? Uh, no, there's a smallish one. It has a broken horn. Oh, in the cantina? Yeah. There's a yeah. baby baryonyx. Is that what you're thinking yeah, of? They have it chained up, and the villain ends up kind of being drawn and quartered where he's being, his one's biting one arm, one's biting the other arm, and the baryonyx comes out and crushes his head. Yeah. Mm. Off screen, because it's PG 13. Bethany, were you thinking, oh, heck yeah, a baryonyx? Oh, wow, a Carnotaurus. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking. No. No idea what these dinosaurs are called. I still don't even feel confident in the main ones. The Can names of the main ones. What do you think about this? This is, I really want to know from a, a non-dinosaur person. Mm. This movie chooses to include one of the weirdest dinosaurs in the world and give it a pretty big spot. It's called a Therizinosaurus, and it's got long claws that look like Edward Scissorhands. Do not like it. What did you think about that thing? When was that? I remember that. It was the one after Claire. Yeah, yeah, when she lands in the parachute, it slaps a deer. Yeah, it looks like a big ostrich. So with weird. Yeah, that deer must be deaf because that thing was not sneaky. <laughs> and then it yells at some water. I didn't know that was real, like made after a real one. I thought that was so weird looking that I was it's like, a real dinosaur. But then I also just watched part of this prehistoric thing on Apple TV about dinosaurs. So now I feel a little bit more like that's plausible. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, so. Prehistoric Planet is great. It is yeah. pretty good. You can learn a lot watching I Prehistoric am, Planet. I'm only in the first episode, so you keep don't watching. ruin it. Okay, no spoilers for <laughs> no Prehistoric spoilers Planet. for that. But here's the thing. That's why I bring up the Therizinosaurus, because I thought, oh, that's weird. That's a weird dinosaur to include in it's this like a movie. bird. And it's an herbivore, too, which is strange. But then, very bizarrely, this is one of my biggest nitpicks, or I guess just straight-up gripes. It chooses to end the movie the same way we've seen at this point two movies where the bad guy dinosaur is about to get the people, but the T-Rex shows up, uh, or the good guy dinosaur in you know Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, and Fallen Kingdom, it's blue against the Indoraptor, shows up to help the people from the bad guy dinosaur. We've seen that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they act like it's new, like we're going to be surprised by it. And... The T-Rex is fighting the Giganotosaurus, and, which I have some other thoughts about. But, and then all of a sudden that Therizinosaurus shows up again. Like it, They just turn around and it's standing there like, oh, we didn't even see you there. Mm-hmm. And it becomes like the, you know, the way that the bad guy dinosaur dies. It gets impaled on its claws. That's right. That was so weird. And then the T-Rex and the Therizinosaurus <laughs> roar together while lightning strikes behind them. Like we're supposed to care about this... There was Xenosaurus. You're like, he's been in like 10 seconds. No. Why do, like, he's the let's, hero dinosaur. Let's think back to Jurassic World. They show, they tease us when the uh, Indominus Rex, right? And that's a major plot point with the characters. We mm-hmm. see how crazy it is. We learn how crazy it is through time, through the movie. They tease us with how cool the raptors are, how smart they are. They tease us with the T Rex. And then at the end, it finally comes together in a great payoff. And this, you're kind of like, oh, we know the T Rex, but you know there's a bigger one. He's right there. And then he's the bad guy now, I guess. They have to yeah. fight because he's here. He's just an innocent dinosaur. Well, they have a little tiff earlier, too, don't they? Uh, the T-Rex and the Giganotosaurus do, yeah. I thought that was so disappointing that... 
I don't know how I knew that, but somehow I think because of toys. I saw that there's toys of, and they have big toys of the Giganotosaurus. So I was like, oh, he must be the bad guy. But then uh, the movie's like an hour and 15 minutes in, and no one said a single thing about that mm-hmm. thing. So I'm like, oh, maybe he's not in it. And then how they reveal it is they're taking a helicopter ride over the wildlife preserve. And they're like, oh, what's down there? And he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And the pre- apex predator. Oh, who's the apex predator? Oh, Giganotosaurus, except in this movie they pronounce it Giganotosaurus. And then it just cuts to a shot of it laying on the ground sleeping. And you're like, what? That's supposed to be the thing that we're all amped up about? Like, what happened to you know the Indoraptor? They draw it out for... Or the, even raptors in the first movie, they talk about them and talk about them and talk about them, and you don't see them, and then you finally see them. And then he has a little skirmish with a T-Rex over a deer. It's like you guys are, are in effect, arguing over an M&M. Someone go eat something else. You'll be fine. Then he fights the good guys for one scene, and then he's supposed to be the big climax dinosaur. It's like, you haven't earned it, Giganotosaurus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why in the world would they team up? Because like, it seems like they were tagging one in and doing like the, somebody off the turnbuckle real quick to finish him off, and then it just didn't work. That whole thing, I was like, oh, man, and this is the ending. That's yeah. disappointing. Yep. He's still dinosaurs. No, the ending cool. is them in the Serengeti. They looked cool. The CG. Yes, you can't argue with that. It looked cool. But remember, that's the only hey, thing. Tell me this, Bethany. You remember when the T Rex walks past that circle and creates the the logo? The logo. I missed. Did you think it. that was cool, or no. did you roll your eyes? Cheesy. I was like, "Come on!" Well, I kind of liked that. Oh, really? Nah. I thought it was <laughs> really silly. I was like, "Oh, guys, it's too on the nose." I felt Birds embarrassed. Didn't even catch I didn't it. even catch it. I'm sick of that. I was sick of seeing them like just completely reestablish shots from the first movie. They're in the jeep again. Oh no, they're in the jeep just like the other way. And then Patrick had saying a lot of the disgust. same lines. It just didn't make sense because he wasn't vibing early on. It was too many I characters. Too many characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did try to do a lot of beat for beat. That's weird. Shots. Is Trevorrow just like lightning in a bottle that he just get lucky once? I honestly think this is a good place to wrap this up. I think that maybe the problem is is that the reason Jurassic World works so good is because enough time had passed Mm -hmm. for him to tap back into the magic of the original in a really pure way, a way that felt authentic and not forced and not like insincere recreate that magic and wonder and the thrills. It feels like, to watch it now, it feels like a very Spielberg movie, Jurassic World. Um, But it's new, and it works. It's like a better version of um, The Force Awakens. Because The Force Awakens works in a lot of ways. Good characters, they have good chemistry, it looks great, it feels authentic, but it's a carbon copy of the first Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Jurassic World has the balls to deviate and do some different things and take a few risks, but not stray so far that it feels like it's not giving us what we want to see. But the thing is, is you know, if you were the first Jurassic Park sequel, you can't do that. You can't recreate the magic two years later. Everybody would be like, we want to see something different. And if Jurassic World had not done that, if it had gone in some bold new direction, we'd be like, what the heck is this? This is not like Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. So he had this perfect moment in time to tap back into all that magic, exploit our nostalgia, and give us a good new movie. And it's a really smart movie. It's self-commentating. It has all this meta stuff in it. It opens up a few new threads. And then after that, it feels like in both the problem with Jurassic Park sequels and Jurassic World sequels is you can either play it super safe and everyone's going to be like this we already saw this you just you just did this or you can go in another new direction and the nature of the premise is so specific that those are your only two options you either have to go like oh it's dinosaur island and people are running from dinosaurs or you're like, I don't know, they'd auction them off, I guess, to rich villains in Texas, and maybe there'd be hybrids, and maybe they'd clone people. Like These are honestly kind of logically where this all the science scientific paranoia would go, but audiences don't react to it. They go, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like it's just a really hard franchise to continue on, you know? Yeah, I don't disagree with that. If... A lot of this stuff, 
the weird stuff was in like a novel, like a sequel novel that Michael Crichton wrote, you'd probably give it a lot of permission. You'd be like, yeah, sci-fi. Yeah. And it's zany and it's bonkers and sure, lo- locusts. But people are like, I want to see people run from dinosaurs on Dinosaur Island. And then the movie does that. And you're like, well, I already saw this. Mm-hmm. So... Can't win for losing. Can't win for losing. I'm Mr. Colin Trevorrow, but it's making a lot of money. Question is, what do they do now? Do they wait another 14 years and try to make recapture the magic of Jurassic World, not Jurassic Park? Or do you make that dinosaur black market movie? Do something cool. I think they have to stop having all of the characters in. We don't need that. This is another thing that works about Jurassic World is that they only involved one uh, character from the original movie that it would make sense that he would be there is Dr. Wu. He's the one who came up with the science. Of course he would be there. Mm -hmm. Hammond's dead. Why in the world would... Same universe. You can mention all of the characters. Right. But they don't have to be in the movie. Patrick, what did you think about um, Lewis Dodgson from the original movie? Not the same actor, but the same dude, uh, getting the kind of poetic justice with the Dilophosaurus. That was pretty good because they had the Barbasol can and all that stuff. And I, I kept thinking, you're going a little too hard on the shaving can. Can we see it? Quit showing us the can. Yeah, I don't know what it meant. I couldn't remember why it was important, but I was thinking the same thing. What are we looking at? <laughs> see, Patrick exemplifies the problem. He just said that the logo thing was too on the nose. He said, quit doing these these things with the characters in the exact same places. And then he just said, Oh, that was cool with the dilophosaurus. Oh uh, well yeah, because that was that was that part was cool. Dinosaurs ate a one. What did you think of Jurassic World Dominion, its locusts and clones and stranger qualities? Did you love it? Hate it? Are you trying to make sense of the whole thing? Leave us a comment on this episode and let us know how you're coping with, dealing with what may be the end, but probably isn't the end of the Jurassic Park franchise. If you want to support You Hate Movies, there's a couple of easy ways you can do it. One, you can leave us a glowing review on the Apple Podcasts app. Believe it or not, this helps a lot. And two, if you want to go one better, you can go to patreon.com slash youhatemovies, where for the price of a cup of coffee every month, you can get bonus episodes pumped straight into your veins. 